I love this place. Empty, teeming with rain, it's always alive with magic, hope, pleasure and pain. Has there been a player that has experienced these emotions more than Brendan Favola? This place was his playground. And like with the weather today, back then the 50 was his swamp. Fev was box office in his day. But was he a flawed footballing genius? I need to find out. Fev, we need to talk about the uh, the setting we're in. It's the interesting, isn't the it? The old girl over your left shoulder. It's a pretty special place, isn't it? I suppose as a, as a kid uh, going to the MCG, and I used to work at Waverley, used to sell pizzas at Waverley Park. So that was like the, the younger brother, and yep. then you'd get to the MCG, and just to look at it, you get those chills, I think. Yeah. Especially when you, you go under the ground and you get in there and it's um, it's uh, probably the greatest stadium in the world. You had some big days there. Can you kind of describe How the excitement? How long does the show go for? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to, try, we'll have to take your best one. <laughs> OK, my best one. Well, what's, it, what's it like playing against a, a Collingwood Essendon in those, in those big blockbusters? Yeah, I reckon um, as a, a player that played at a big club, especially Carlton, doesn't matter where you are on the ladder, there's 80,000 plus when you play an Essendon, Richmond or a Collingwood and to run out um, in front of all those people and be in the goal square because uh, attention always wasn't on the footy when you're a forward. So you just have a little gloss around and you think, oh, they're here to see me. <laughs> so you, you put your hands together and then you kick goals and the roar that you get is just um, something you can't explain until you actually be in that. You'd know when yep. you kick big goals on the MCG and... I used, memories... take, I used to take the kick-outs. It wasn't quite the same. <laughs> Just not, kick it to yourself. It's quite the same buzz. You've kicked a few goals at the couple, G, a couple of snags. Um, but it's just amazing. It's an amazing atmosphere. And I used to always have this thing with Scott. I remember we played um, Sydney in Sydney and there was about 40,000. And he'd always come up and go, you'd only kick four, because I used to say every 10,000 I'd kick another goal. <laughs> and it, for five weeks, <laughs> it happened. Literally for five weeks it happened. We played somewhere, it was only like 14,000. It was one of those stupid grounds they the AFL want to play games on, so I just kicked one. And then we played Collingwood at the G in front of 80, kicked eight, then we had 70,000 against Essendon, kicked seven. And then I played in Adelaide and there was 60,000, uh, 45,000, I kicked four. So it was just a thing. So if there was 80,000, I've got to kick eight today because more people are watching. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's an old... Brent... You don't want to put all the good ones no, out no, there's no, no one you there. Need, you need bang for buck. 100%. Well, Brent, Brent Crosel, I don't know if you... Brent Crosel, ex-North yes. Melbourne, Carlton... Uh, Melbourne superstar, but he, he had a quote of, give me 80,000 at the MCG and I'm Hercules. He goes, give me 14,000 at a cold Western Oval and I wasn't worth a yeah, pinch. Yeah, no, there's no point running out. Yeah. It's a sore hammy. When you go to the MCG now, like, what does that sort of conjure in you? Um, I remember watching my my daughter's boyfriend, Daniel, who played, Daniel Rioli plays at Richmond, and I watched him in that... Um, was it semi-final? Mm. They lost to Collingwood. Yeah. And just prelim, the yeah. prelim. And, and the Collingwood supporters just going, Collingwood. 
And I looked at the ground and I was like, oh, you just you just want to play again. Yeah. Like, I, I don't ever want to play footy AFL level again. When I watch yeah. it on TV, I'm like, thank God I'm not playing footy yeah. again because it looks too fast. Forwards too have to chase. It's yeah. too hard. But when you're there and the feeling you get yeah. and as an ex-sportsman, you go, oh. I was talking to Nick Revolt just last week and he was talking about a bit, a bit the same, how we've had our time done with, you know, don't necessarily want to, the whole thing of playing again, but when you see a key forward having a day out, he, he says he misses that feeling oh, when, he's, when he sees them tearing it up. Especially 666 now. Oh, <laughs> mate, I kick 150. <laughs> I've never kicked 100 in my life. We were teammates. We were. Once out there, 2008. Victoria versus, were they the All-Stars? Didn't all... matter, it was all about me. <laughs> <laughs> it was the All-Stars. But what, what, yes. what are Young you... Young buddy what... Franklin, yeah, Richo. It was, yeah, pretty, it was a pretty amazing, yeah. incredible sort of night. What, what are your memories of, of that night? Oh, Bob, it was probably one of the most memorable. And to train at the MCG with the mm. best of the best, uh, the ball just flicked around like... A, and, Playing at the Blues, I used to get sore shoulders and back from picking the ball up all the time. So, mate, leaning out, it was getting hit here every single time. Like, it was special training out there with all the guns. Before the game, to see all the old greats and Bobby Skilton and the boys all there patting you on the back. And I remember walking past a few people, who's going to stop the loosh? And we spoke about it with Richo on a previous we, show. We got, we've got to spend a bit, we've just got to <laughs> gloss over that because, a little bit. No, it was a great, it was a great moment because it was, it was the it was all the sort of bulls in the paddock. It was the superstars the peacocks, of the game. The peacocks, as you said. yeah, yeah, and then mm. and the key forward mafia, of which you're very much a part of. Yeah, and it was sort of there's a bit of posturing going on. Just a real chest out. And then, I haven't even got a chest. Yeah, <laughs> but you and you kind of did break the part of your role in. in a, I'm sure a lot of your footy teams, and it was in that team as well, was to kind of break the tension, break the ice, and the the immortal words of. Who's going to play on the loose? <laughs> Who's going to play on the loose? No one's going to stop the loose. Which is a fu which is a funny story. Yeah. But oh, then you also but then you also go out. The reason I think the story has legs and it sort of stays in my memory and and Richos and other players, I'm sure, is because on the night you went out and brained them. Yeah, I, I think as a forward, um, we're a different breed. And you've got to be confident and I think you've got to have um, arrogance to be a forward because if you don't have it, you don't have that edge. And I think you always see a forward early when they get the footy and they kick a, they kick a snag early, they're on. Yeah. And this day and age, you kick a goal, you're off. Yeah. Mate, if I'd have been playing now, they'd be, <laughs> runner, piss off, mate. <laughs> I'm on. Yeah. Because forwards, they want to kick goals and I think you only get... Say you get five, six chances a game, you want to yeah. be kicking five or six goals. So. I always built myself up like I was the best player out there because if I ran out there and thought that, I'm halfway there. But if I, if I was not confident and I was a bit flat, I'm pretty much 80% defeated. Yeah. And Dennis Pagan used to always say to me, there's not a backman that will beat you. The only thing that will beat you is your head. Yeah. And if I went out there with that mindset, I'd be defeated. But I thought, there's a lot of good players here. So I'm just like, who's going to play on the loose? Yeah. Who's going to play on the loose just to get me up? Yeah. Then I went out there and obviously they, no one did because I won the medal. So... Um, <laughs> So what about those other days? So we talked about the days, the days when you're on. What's it like when it when it turns on you? Um, good question, Bob. Good question. <laughs> That's why everyone watches this show, isn't it? Get real deep. That's it. Yeah. It's just softened me up by the big peacock. We're gonna go submarine. Mate, in there. I was one of those blokes who you'd read everything. Like I was on like Captain Carlton, like these these blogs, all these things, and I'd read all the messages, and right. it used to it did my head in. Yeah. And I don't know why I read it, but 
I did, and Alex used to come out. I'd be like two in the morning after a game, and I'd be going through every message going, look what they're saying here. Yeah, don't worry about it. When yeah. I got in the car, I'd be reading it on my phone. I'm yeah, like, right. It really used to play in my mind and made me depressed. Like, it yeah. really did. And um, sort of later on in footy, I sort of stopped. My last couple of years, when I was in Brisbane, I didn't read anything. Yeah. Um, probably because no one wrote about Brisbane because I was up in Brisbane, but I just didn't read anything because it, it literally made me made me sad, and I'm not a sad yeah. person. I reckon sometimes I'm a little bit uh, misunderstood. People didn't think I trained hard, which I did, because yeah. I hated running. But give me a footy. Yeah. At training, like pre-season, I could run anywhere. Yeah. On the ground, I didn't have to think about it. It just happened. Yeah. And I, I love a game of chess. I love, which you probably wouldn't know, I love playing chess. Because yeah. you're always three or four steps ahead on the board. And you sit there and you've got to think about it. And in a footy game as a full forward, you've got to be three steps ahead of the play. So I knew where the ball was coming down the back line. And I knew where to stand and you knew where the ball was going to come and we're going to switch it there through our training. And if, we, if it comes out, I know where to go. Because yeah. that's how you got to be as a forward. Is there a frustration that you were you're a bit misunderstood? Is there a frustration that, you know, you were the larrikin the larrikin I think um, in footy circles, maybe, because I don't get respected as a footballer, but in the public... Um, you don't feel like that in the, foot, no, the footy no. establishment? No, I never... I don't think, no. I think a lot of football people think, oh, yeah, he was just that dickhead that played footy. You know, he was good, but he could have been better and, you know, he was wasted. We've got to think, I retired slash sacked um, <laughs> <laughs> when I was 29. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> just a slash sacked. Yeah. Um, which probably was the best thing that happened to me, let's be honest. Um, I remember Vossi came in. I was at the New Farm Medical Clinic um, Mental Hospital and he sacked me in there. Um, which wasn't fun. Um, well, one of my questions is what was the low point? That's That was pretty low. That's got to be pretty low. Yeah, that was pretty low, um, knowing it was done um, and being you know, highly medicated and being in there for a reason and to that to happen was... Um, yeah, it wasn't good. Um, but looking back on it, like, a year later, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because yeah. the bubble of footy... Um, mentally, I wasn't stable enough to be in that. So when Vossi comes in to, to, I thought to he was give coming, you the news, yeah. what, what did you think, what did you think was happening? Because I'd started training, I was allowed to go out and I had a guy from Brisbane, um, I rang him and said, mate, can, you, can we start doing some training? Because I was 99 kilos when I went in, I was yeah. really fit, and at that time I was about 127, because of all the cyrical and the drugs they give you, you blow up. Yeah. Um, the season was rolling around, I'm like, I need to get fit again. So we went out to the, the park just near New Farm and I was running and... I thought, all right, I'm ready to go. I started to lose a bit of weight and I started to get my fitness back a bit. And then I thought he was coming in with Lynchy, my manager, to say, righto, this is what's going to happen. And I don't think I've told too many people this, but I remember sitting there at a table and he came in and he said, because um, I was on a pretty big contract, I still had two more years to go, and um, he said that I was going to get sacked. And I sat there and I think I even cried. I think I was born. I said I'll play for nothing and I'll play in the twos until you get my trust back and then I'll come back through the yeah. twos and I'll play the whole year in the twos. And he said, no, nah, that's it, it's done. And I said, oh, okay, fair enough. And 
and that was it. It was just done. And then when he left, I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm done. That's my footy. Done and dusted. No trade, no nothing to, to fall back on. Lost all the money on the punt, so I was cooked. Um, but fast forward eight years, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me. How, how long from that, let's call that the sort of rock bottom, yeah. how long did it sort of post that Did you when you started to feel like you were getting yourself together? Um, I reckon it was halfway through the next year I went to Casey Scorpions to yeah. play um, Melbourne Reserves. And it was the second half of the year, I think I kicked in 10 games, I kicked like 60 goals or 58 goals yeah. or something. And I was playing on some full uh, backmen that were playing at AFL, but they'll yeah. come back from injury. And I remember playing on Michael Jamison. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> you'll love this. <laughs> I was driving, because I was playing VFL, I didn't really care too much. But I was having fun. I just thought, this is fun. I'm in McDonald's on the way to a game to get a McChicken, and we're driving out, and Rats was on SEN, and they were saying, Fev's playing against the Northern Blues today. Um, how do you think he'll go? And he goes, he won't get a kick. Jam Jamo's been training for a long time. He won't get a kick. And I had about four bites of the McChicken. So I wrapped it up, put it back in the bag, and I said, oh, I'm on. And that was it. I didn't eat the rest of the McChicken. Got to Casey. I walked three-quarter time. I walked past the huddle, and there was Ryan Houlihan, one of my best mates, all the boys that I'd played footy with um, at Carlton. And I said, oh, the Lucia still got it. <laughs> and they all looked at me. And Jamo come up and said, I'm done. I'm done for the day. I'm playing three quarters. And I said, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the confidence. I'd kicked 10 at that stage. And he, he'd wound himself up. And I, I had that same as playing yeah. Victoria. And I was only playing VFL. But it, I, I had that back and I felt, I felt good again. I thought, yeah. I've got my mojo back. I didn't even finish my McChicken. That's how much rat pissed me off. I feel like I feel like when when Fox Footy does the the movie of your life, <laughs> the, the first scene will be your fourth bite of the McChicken. Yeah, I just put a and then slow motion like wrap it up. <laughs> I wrapped it because it's in the box. I put it in, and then when I got in the car after the game, you could, it would smell like Maccas. <laughs> and I thought, should I? I thought, no, so, I better not. One of my hobbies when I was playing... Was watching me. Was for, well, well, kind <laughs> of. I used to love to mimic full oh, forwards yeah. goal-kicking yeah. routines and I used to do a pretty good David Neitz, but I, I used to mimic yours. And then oh, it was yeah. only after sort of mimicking you that I sort of was... I got to thinking about the way you held the ball for... And this is part of this football sort of genius that I think you, that you have. How, like, how, did, how um, you held the it ball? It all started with Rossi Lyon, actually, because I'd played in the, in the TAC Cup and I was pretty accurate kick. And then I think the first sort of couple of, first sort of, couple of months at the Blues, I kept missing right. And he actually said to me, he goes, mate, you walk in like you're stirring a bowl of soup. So when, I used to go like this when I walked in. And he's like, and I thought, yeah, you're right. And then, because obviously when you're doing that and you drop it, it can go anywhere. Yeah. So he's like, let's, let's tinker with it and see what feels comfortable. Yeah. So I started doing all different things and then I, I realised to myself that this, the right hand does nothing. Yeah. Oh, the left hand, sorry, does absolutely yeah. nothing. All it does is just rest on the ball because all your guidance comes from your preferred hand, which is my right. And I thought if I, Plugger, who I loved, leant over so much, the ball very, very rarely was dropped from up here and the ball to drop from your knee to foot, yeah. doesn't deviate. So I thought, all right, I'll, I'll start walking in with one hand and I'll drop it as low as I can so it doesn't deviate. And it should always go like that. So if your leg's straight, the ball should go straight. So I did about 50 kicks at Optus With Oval one hand? With one hand, from everywhere. And I didn't miss. 
And, I said, and Rossi goes, well, there it is. I said, mate, I, I can't hold the footy in front of 80,000 walking in like this. I'll think I'm a friggin' idiot. And he goes, mate, just rest your hand there and put it like that. Just rest your hand, put your finger there, hold it underneath, and this virtually does nothing. Just pull it away late, and then it goes bang. And it goes straight. I always, yeah, I found it. I mean, that's fascinating. Because mm. it always struck me as, so you could hold it over your right leg, but because your hands were different, it meant your shoulders were level. But you're saying that's not even a part of it. So my this, this arm does nothing. <laughs> Can I ask you about Yarrawonga? Yes. I, I guess... For, the pigeons. For, 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 for a football career and a football superstar, as you were, as big a story as you've been, Playing country footy would would be a, you know barely a footnote for for some people, but I, I get the sense for you that's that's not the case that it's played a bigger part in your life. Um, you'd be right. Um, did it start? Did you did you go there with that in mind, or no, was no, it at no. the time just something like didn't shits have a job. And giggles? I went there for cash. Yeah, um, yeah. which was great. Um, I remember sitting at home and I'd lost a fair bit of money on the punt and we had to pay bookies back over. a... Yeah. A year. This was about a year and a half later. Matty Tripp rings me and he said, "Mate, um, I live. I'm from Yarrawonga and I've just played golf with the, the president. They've lost three grannies in a row to Albury. We'd love you to come up to Yarrawonga." He sent through a deal. He said, "You don't have to play home games, blah blah blah." And I signed the next day. It was done. I was like, yeah. oh, that? I don't have a job. Um, this is great." So, and I got to fly up when he's playing from Moorabbin. So I just fly in and fly out. It's great. So, played the first game. Um, Someone ran into my elbow and I got reported. Um, there was about 15,000 people come watch my first game against Lavington and country people are the best. Didn't matter whether how low you've been or how high you've been, they treat everyone equal yeah. and they just love their footy and I hated footy at the time. And over a course of about three or four weeks, I really got the love of footy back and it was because of them, um, yeah. the way they treated everyone. And mate, I ended up living there for three years, um, coached the side, um, love Yarrawonga. They pretty much turned my life. I wouldn't be back with my wife. Yeah. Um, she said, if you didn't move to Yarra, you've changed as a person. Like, you've changed. You've grown up. And I solely put that on being in Yarrawonga. Um, I wouldn't have what I have now if I, if I didn't go to Yarra. Probably the best decision I've ever made. First time I ever kicked 100 was yeah. playing in Yarrawonga. Um, but I think Yarra was back sort of 80s footy where yeah. you can have a smoke and a beer after the game and you have your pie and you, like, you sing the song and there's a slab in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I was built for country footy. It was brilliant. For Yarrawonga, um, you know, for a club that had lost three in a row, only won two flags in their history, we won two flags in a row. And it was probably the most satisfying thing that I've ever done yeah. was to win a premiership for them up there. Because yeah. they lost three in a row. And it was, it was the, an amazing feeling. I love having a beer. I love having meeting new people. So you go to a club that you've never been to, you meet all the boys before, you're calling everyone Jono, <laughs> Macca. <laughs> kick the ball, kick the ball. But after the game, you hang around, you stay the night, you do a sporty, you go out the next morning, you do go to the junior club, you do an Oz kick. Pretty much every club I played at made a fair bit of coin. And that supports their junior club, that supports them for the next couple of years paying their players. I remember playing a game in Tasmania, they made 120000 for the day. Profit. I said they, they won't make that in five years. Yeah. So it benefits you, but it benefits the footy club as well. But I actually love doing it. Like, yeah. I, I actually love... I've played at more clubs... If there's a Guinness Book of Records, I reckon <laughs> I've played on more clubs than anyone that's ever played the game. Because I've played everywhere. And I, and I love it. So the, the trip to Yarrawonga sort of... not sort of overly thought through in terms of 
the grander scheme of your life, but you say it changes your life. What about the decision to go to the jungle? What, <laughs> was, there, was, there a, was there a grand plan for it? Because some people do go into the jungle with a... Mate. This is going to be a stepping stone. Was it that was you? Uh, late October. I just um, got back with Alex. Um, Alex's business is going really well. Um, so I was a stay-at-home dad, yep. um, which I love. Um, and Channel 10 rang and said, uh, we want you to go on season two of Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. <laughs> and I said to Al, that was a jungle. They want me to go on the jungle. And she goes, you need to go on it. I said, hon, I need TV. I need a shower. I love food. I hate snakes. I hate spiders. I hate the heat. Like, I'm, I'm no chance. It's a burger with the lot. Yeah, I just don't want to do it. And they'll obviously pay you well. And she goes, you haven't got a job. You need to go in and do it. And we're back together. And people think I'm a f***ing idiot. Yeah. But I know what you're like. People that know you know what you're like, but the public think that, why are you back with him? I need Australia to know why and fall in love yeah. with you, because that's the way I do. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what happens if I get voted out early? And she said, well, they still think you're a idiot. <laughs> it's a win-win. <laughs> Starting <laughs> And I'm like, oh, thanks for the confidence. Quite prophetic by Alex to encourage you to, to go on the show. Now a radio star on one of the highest rating, number one actually, number one rating get that right. radio show Shows, in yes. the country. You've just become a father for the fourth time. fourth time. Is this the happiest you've ever been? Um, yeah, I think um, it's the most settled I've been, I suppose. Um, I suppose, uh, you know, when you get drafted, you're happy and all that sort of stuff, but family life, is life, um, and I think when we get to our right, you live your life through your kids, and there's nothing more special than spending time with your kids and watching them do sport or watching them go to dance or swimming or whatever they're doing and, and you being a part of it. And I think um, coming from a family where my mum and dad are separated, I think having that stable relationship now with Alex where it was a bit rocky early, um, and she's lucky I took her back, otherwise we wouldn't have this. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> Cut. What about the footy? If you, if you look back now from afar, and we talked about the MCG, and how do you think 18-year-old Fev being drafted right now, what, what, what would you want to say to him? What would you want to whisper in his ear? I was drafted in that era where it was just sort of transitioning, maybe a couple of you know, early 2000s where I was from the old school. Like, if I had played in the 80s, oh, yeah. would have kicked a 1,000. Um, and what a plugger kick, 13.56. Um, but I think I was in the wrong era because I loved to party, I loved to drink with the boys, and then it sort of transitioned. Now you can't do anything. You can't go out. Everyone's got mobile phones. Remember Chris Judd said to me one, it was a, um, a mad Monday, or not even a Christmas drink, we went out. And he goes, we won't be able to do this in a year because mobile phones have wrecked it for everybody. Yeah, right. I think this day and age that the kids, it's hard for them because they probably do read all this stuff. And they're, mm. what is there? Three and nearly 4,000 accredited journos in the yeah. media for, what, 600 players. So to, that was Dennis's pagans always saying, for every player there's four journos trying to find something mm. on you. Um, you had about eight or nine. I had about I had about a thousand of them <laughs> just hanging out in front of my Take, house. Well, you just slipped <laughs> in your in your slipstream. But if I had been me now when I was drafted, I think it'd be a totally different script. Yeah. But well, no one writes a script, do they? Yeah. No. Nah. I, I sort of 
can't think of a player who's probably ridden a roller coaster. This the highs and lows as steep as as what you have. How do you what do you sort of make of it now? Um, Are you a chance to balls it up? <laughs> <laughs> um, Surely not from here. Um, a coach once said to me, "You got to th- you got to swim through." the shit to get to the clear water. And I reckon I've th- I swam through a fair bit of shit and now I'm into the clear water. I think if I didn't go through that, as we said earlier, I probably wouldn't be where I am now. So um, very big roller coaster, which <laughs> is huge, um, with some big dips. Yeah. Um, and hopefully that ride's finished now. Do you look back with, with regret of if you could do things differently? Um, in this life, mate, you never know what's going to happen. But um, all I know is I'm you happy. Feel settled. I'm settled. My family's good. My wife's amazing. She's got an amazing business. I've got an amazing job. Um, I'm surrounded by females. I'm very lucky. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, we're happy for you, mate. And Thanks, I, mate. I genuinely mean that. And I know you've got some doubts about um, the football fraternity. Um, as someone who played against you and watched you from afar for a long time, um, mate, you were an absolute superstar and at your best, you played the game as a lot of us would have wanted to be able to play. So, oh, thank- means a lot. Comes from- Thanks, man. On you, man. No one's going to stop the leash. 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 My fourth game of league footy, I think, is against the Tigers at oh, the MCG. Yeah. I was the Richmond mascot <laughs> on that day. No. I saw Woofer <laughs> beckoning me like this, just through the mouth of the head. <laughs> and he was doing this. And so I ended up wrestling him at the MCG in front of 40,000 people, and the crowd roars, and I don't know why. And I stand up and I put my head back on straight, and I look through the mouth, and I, I've ripped his head off. <gasps> this has been a Fox Sports production.